Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Been meeting with different members of your congregation, speaking about justice on Friday night. Uh, your church is such a blessing to International Justice Mission, and we just really want to thank you for partnering with us in the mission. Whether it's working with local Philippines law enforcement to work uh, to protect children um, being exploited for online sexual uh, material or families trapped in forced labour in India, we are just so grateful to be partnering with God's family, with God's church all over the world to shine light into those really dark places. Um, So you won't be surprised today to know that I'm going to talk a little bit more about justice. Shocker. Um, And at IJM, we just really believe that seeking justice is core to following Jesus. So I want to start by asking everyone here a question. And I've been asking myself this a little bit this week. What are you known for? Uh, I've been doing some interviews, uh, lots of people applying for jobs at IJM at the moment, uh, and one of the questions that HR keep trying to get me to ask is, what are three things your enemies and your friends say about you? And I was like, oh, gee, I wonder what people would say about me. <laughs> it's a bit la- loud, very loud laugh. Um, hopefully passionate about justice, hopefully a follower of Jesus. Um, what are you known for? I was thinking this week, uh, Robin is known to me as being really passionate about India, really passionate about social justice, fabulous footwear. <laughs> um, I met Joe when I was doing a podcast with him earlier this week to talk about our work. Joe is known to me as podcast guy, and now uh, he's playing the bass. What was he called, bass? <laughs> um, it's been a great pleasure to meet so many different people. I see Amy down the front there. She's been known to me for her incredible generosity while I've been with you here. But I want you all to think about, though, what are you known for? Um, I asked my sister um, a little bit before I came. I was like, oh, Emily, she's super cool, so I sort of try and talk to her (laughs) sometimes to work out what the cool kids think. And she, when I was asking her what she thought about justice, um, she was just cracking jokes and being the middle child, as you do. She's known to me as the middle child. And she said, oh, I'll tell you what injustice is. It's that crazy math star having more Instagram followers than me. That is the ultimate injustice. And I was like, okay, not, not very helpful. Um, but I was, you know, thinking uh, what my friends might say on a Friday night when you catch up with them after work or after uni or wherever you are, what would they say justice is? You're going to get the whole array. You're going to get, oh... I got a speeding ticket the other day, really unfair. It was pouring with rain. If I'd hit the brakes, maybe it would have crashed. You know, we all like to justify ourselves a little bit. Um, You know, someone might talk about a social justice warrior, someone uh, who turns up to all the marches. You might think, you know, inner city Melbourne, latte sipper. I know that's definitely something my parents might think social justice warriors are. Um, But some of my friends would also probably say, and I hope they would, I'll tell you what, Amy, there's some real injustice in this world. Uh, I've been watching the news this week. I don't know if you have been, but in India, watching COVID rip through 350,000 cases a day, running out of oxygen, people just dying. That breaks my heart. That's injustice. Uh, Earlier this year, uh, and even now still, watching women march and hearing 
about the amount of domestic violence in our country, the amount of my friends and others that have, you know, had sexual harassment or sexual assault, you know, these stories that have been in the media every day, then finding out that, you know, some 1% of perpetrators uh, even end up going to court and being convicted. That's injustice. Um, but as Christians, I think we're presented with a, a tricky question at this point. Um, we know what the world says is justice, this big array, but what does God say is justice? Now, Martin Luther famously said, we are saved by faith alone, but a faith that saves is never alone. Now, he's referring to that uh, famous passage in James 2, faith without works is dead. Uh, now, David Platt, uh, he's becoming quite a well-known um, preacher in Washington, D.C., having a real, real heart for justice there, really working with the community on some of the racial issues. And he said this pretty recently. A robust commitment to the gospel and the Great Commission will inevitably lead to encounters with the impoverished, the orphaned, and so forth. So, what should we think? So I thought, before we sort of really delve into God's word, let's start with a little bit of context. Um, so, first thing, Genesis 1, we learn we are all made in God's image. Every single one of you here, made in God's image, he loves you no matter what you are known for. We all have dignity, every human, in God's eyes, were made that way. Number two, we are all created equal. There is no hierarchy. Uh, it's very difficult to imagine a world with no hierarchy. It's actually something, power structures are something we're really attached to. You know, the poor, the oppressed, the rich, you know, what university you went to, who's got a better job. You know, there's so many different power structures in this world. Uh, but in Proverbs 22.2, it says, the rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. There is no hierarchy. God created every single one of us equal. Whether you're in this church today or whether you're a child enslaved in forced labor in Africa, you are equal in the eyes of the Lord. Number three, very important, God is just. Psalm 89:14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So the absolute core of the message of Jesus, of God's love for us, is righteousness and justice. So there are so very many verses you can pull out of the Bible, and I'm sure some of you have seen them on T-shirts or, or on wristbands, that talk about loving the poor, supporting the oppressed, um, one, a personal favourite of mine is in Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honours God. And a verse that we talked about a lot on Friday night, I don't know if many of you were able to join us, was this. Micah 6, 8 is definitely one that's on a lot of T-shirts. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, we've had a little bit of a look at those verses. My next question is, what is God known for? So, let's get stuck into the Old Testament. Um, if you've got a Bible there, or you can uh, pull it up on your phone, I'm reading along from Isaiah 58, verses 9 to 12, and it reads like this. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, 
Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God is faithful to his people. You can read a chapter anywhere in the Old Testament and Israel will be rebelling against their God. Uh, He leads them out of Egypt. They rebel again. They worship other gods. They rebel over and over again uh, and he forgives them. So the darkness here in Isaiah 58 references being in God's wrath and Israel ultimately living their own way and being enslaved to sin. Think of the yoke. It's something that's used as a metaphor a lot in the Bible. It's what goes around animals' necks to control them. We've got this yoke of sin around us that we are completely enslaved to. But the second part of the verse talks about the light The light being God's living way and Israel ridding themselves off, chains being broken, no longer being slavery to selfishness, maliciousness, fighting and worshipping other gods. So the passage goes on to say from verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. So God is faithful. He is constant. He is just. He will guide us and it is he that will strengthen us and he that will restore Israel. He will right all wrongs and we know ultimately that this has been done in Jesus his perfect son dying on the pla- in, sorry perfect son dying in our place on the cross god is just it is absolutely part of his character which means he is always just and he can't be unjust he created a world with absolutely no sin and no brokenness but there are consequences because he is just for sin and rebellion and our sin had to be paid for So as we sung earlier, God in his mercy, his faithfulness, he sent his perfect son to be a living sacrifice. So when it comes to what is God known for? Well, God is known for his mercy. He is known for his faithfulness. But true restoration and true justification is through Jesus. So justice, we've learnt now, is inherently linked with dignity and restoring creation. Uh, Jesus died and rose physically but there is both a spiritual salvation and also a physical restoration. Uh, But as we know, as followers of Jesus, if you follow Jesus like I do, this is not gonna be fully, this restoration isn't gonna fully happen until he returns. So you might be saying at this point, gee, Amy, thanks for the Bible lesson, um, but what does this mean for me right now? Uh, We live in this world. We've just been talking about 40 million people like enslaved, a world full of horrors, a world full of brokenness, You might have brokenness in your own life, things that are absolutely heartbreaking, things in your own community, big holes of darkness that you're like, Lord, what is going on here? So as followers of Jesus, how do we respond to this injustice? So I want you to turn your eyes to the screen and we're gonna have a look at the story before we unpack. Esther was born in a small village uh, at the southern part of uh, Volta region. 
The father one day had a visitor who came around and asked that they want somebody to stay in a different community. But the purpose was not for her to go to school, it was rather to work in the fishing industry. We were given information by our police partners about this young man named Jeffrey. They conduct a rescue operation at that point, rescue Jeffrey, bring him back. We do a small debrief with Jeffrey, and Jeffrey's telling us all this information about the rest of the kids that are out there. They have plenty of money. They should go back and rescue them too. Once we started diving in more, she was just like, oh, don't forget about this person. Don't forget about that person. We believe that this problem can end. We make sure that every survivor or every victim gets justice. The life of Esther is a story of hope. It's a story of freedom. It's a story that must challenge all of us to act. 
okay if you need a moment after seeing that. I still, after seeing it several times, get quite teary. Um, we sung that beautiful song, Hosanna, this morning, and one of the lines in it is, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And let me tell you, God's heart breaks for Esther, it breaks for Jeffrey, and it breaks for every other child and every other person who is lost. Jesus longs for justice to be done on this earth. He cares for every single one of those children on Lake Volta and every single one of you. The loss of dignity, children being enslaved, is an actual expression of sin and brokenness in this world. It is an expression of injustice. It is not how God made this world to be. The God of the Bible cares about every lost child. He wants to see every girl like Esther, not just physically restored, but spiritually restored as well. So Jesus is the only way we, know, we can know God's heart for justice. And it's Jesus we should look for when grappling with what justice looks like on this earth. So on that note, we're going to open our Bibles to Luke 11:33. Hopefully the verse will come up on the screen as well so you can follow along. Yep, there we go. And it reads, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. So Jesus, as he does many times in the New Testament, calls us not to hide the light that we have received. The light meaning the gospel truth, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, knowing the love of God and following him. This means living in the redemption and the truth of Jesus Christ, our saviour. Our gratefulness for the mercy received and right relationship with God. And Jesus calls to this light not to be hidden, not to be under a lamp, not to be somewhere where no one sees it. He calls it to be visible, to be overflowing in our actions. When you think about it, that's actually like a pretty big call. Uh, Jesus is also warning in 35, verse 35, about spiritual blindness and hard hearts. Do you truly know God and are living in a relationship with him if you're hiding the light, if you don't really want it to spread to every part of your life? Are you being like Israel and keep on straying from the Lord and from his light? Basically, Jesus is saying, live out your faith with actions. Let the world see it. Let this love overflow. Let following Jesus be what you are known for. In verse 36, he gets a bit more um, into it and says, don't keep little compartments. I think a lot of us like to think of our life in compartments. You've got like work, family, social groups, maybe you're a bit of a fiend on the soccer field and you know, like to kick people in the shins a little bit. There's all different parts of our lives where we sometimes wear different masks and different labels. What Jesus is saying here is don't let there be Saturday night Amy, Monday morning Amy, angry at the family Amy. Let Jesus and his love flow into every part of your life, every last part of it. Do not have little bits quarantined uh, and don't have Different things be what you're known for in different parts of your life. 
If following Jesus is what you want to be known for, then let the Spirit in. Let him into every single part of you. So when it comes to understanding justice and what that might look like to live that out in actions, uh, we like at IJM to talk about a road. Keep it nice and simple. So imagine righteousness is this beautifully paved road. Might have nice shiny sandstones, something very very fancy. No one gets hurt walking along this road. It is wonderful. You don't trip, your heel doesn't get stuck in it, (laughs) it doesn't clonk, it is a really beautiful, shiny road. But injustice is breaking up that safe road. It's boulders running through, it's smashed up, it is, you know, think of something out of Lord of the Rings, you know, when they're trying to like jump over these major crevices here. Injustice is the road no longer being safe, it being smashed up, people getting hurt, people being injured. It is an image of sin and brokenness in this world, just like children like Esther being on Lake Volta. So what then is justice in this metaphor? Justice is doing what is necessary to repair that road so people don't get hurt or injured. So that might be caring for the poor, the oppressed, Strengthening justice systems so that they are fair, like what IJM do. Assisting organisations that help little children, the oppressed, the aged, the lonely, those with disabilities, those with mental health issues. It is the actual actions we do to right the wrongs. So often as Christians we think doing justice is just about being kind and loving everyone. No, being justice, doing justice is about righting a wrong. It's about actually writing sin in this world. It's not just overflowing of love, it is righting a wrong. And God's heart, as we've learned from Isaiah, is for justice. His throne is built on justice. So that's actually a pretty big call. That really hit me in the face this week. I was like, wow, what does it look like to follow God in every part of my life? Uh, It's quite easy, I suppose, for me to think, well, I turn up every day and help get kids out of slavery. I'm doing all right. No. (laughs) I'm still a person uh, who has a family, who has people in my community, who can give just part of myself and not my whole self. And I just really challenge all of you to really have a look in, to be praying tonight, which part of your life is Jesus not in? Is there a part that you need to let him into? So God doesn't just want justice, he demands it. Injustice is a sin and an expression of this broken world. So I wanna jump now to the second part of the passage where Jesus, as he often does, makes a contrast when he's talking to the Pharisees. So we're gonna pick up at Luke chapter 11, verse 37, and it says this. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus didn't wash before the meal. The Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees! because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So Jesus calls out the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He is watching them all before this meal, just clean themselves from head to toe, look absolutely white and sparkling, but saying, hey guys, 
God created you. He can see what's inside of you as well. I tell you what, it's not looking super clean. You've got it all mixed up. He says they are full of greed and wickedness. Like the Israelites, they are not living in God's light. He is saying to them, they have not truly repented. They are not living in the light of Jesus. So he calls them foolish. He says God can see them inside and out. And he makes a really big statement here. He says, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean to you. Again, he's saying, if you have truly repented, you will be living out your faith with actions. So they followed the law, but they were missing the point. Physical cleanliness doesn't equal spiritual cleanliness. The Pharisees were living in that darkness and not in the light, as Jesus was calling. So again, Jesus uses the actions of being generous to the poor, the oppressed, as an example of what is pleasing to God. So I suppose the big question, what are we known for? Are we full of light and known for following Jesus? Or are we, in some parts of our lives, Pharisees? Are we going through the motions? Are we turning up, following Jesus, but not truly asking him into our life? This is what Micah 6.8 was talking about. Are you living to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? What a confronting question. So this is Jesus who took your place on the cross. No matter how far you roam, just like Israel or just like the prodigal son, He is there waiting for you. He is pursuing you. The father didn't just wait for the lost son to return in the story of the prodigal son, the parable. He pursued him as an old man. He kind of girded his loins and ran after him. God is running after you and pursuing you. And Jesus is calling on us to let him into our whole life. So just like God was constant and faithful to Israel, despite their constant straying, Jesus who hung out with tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers and outcasts. Jesus who said, let those little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom in heaven. Is that light flowing to other parts of your body or the places you are hiding it? Think back to that statement from Martin Luther. We are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. So about a year ago, I actually wasn't working at International Justice Mission. I was working as a chief of staff in Canberra, politics. <laughs> but uh, I had, God really revealed to me at that time, I sort of had a bit of a come to Jesus, really. I'd been following Jesus my whole life, but I had become a bit hardened of heart, a bit of spiritual blindness. I wasn't, you know, a lot of my friends and family would know I was still following Jesus, but I was assuming what he wanted to do with me, not asking him the other way around. And as I prayed over that summer, God really revealed to me that I was meant to be doing something else with my life, that the skills and different opportunities I'd had in politics were meant to be back to fighting for justice in this world and that my faith and my work were about to link up together. So I share with that, that with you as an encouragement. Um, it's just something when you open yourselves up and you say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life? that God will answer that, that he will bless you, that he will show to you what justice is. And I just really challenge you to think about what your front line is. What are you known for? Uh, I know that's something you talk a little bit about at this church. Robin shared that with me. Um, I know there are some fantastic ways that you can serve, that you can pursue not just kindness, but God's justice. There's a ministry with international students 
No, students are not receiving any support from the government who during coronavirus were just really stuck. God loves them. They are known to him. That's an injustice. And there's some wonderful ways you can be involved. I know that there are other ministries here that you can do, and I'm sure there are many other organisations like IJM where you can be praying for, you can be giving, you can be volunteering for, but I'm not telling you which of these to do. I'm saying when you want to think about justice, look to Jesus and say, open my eyes to the injustices in my life, in the world, and Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Now, there's a couple of different things that we can do. Uh, when we're putting this into action. The first one I really want to encourage you is when you're thinking, how do I approach justice in this world, is to pray. The Lord cares about all of these people. We know he is kind, he is just. This is not how it's meant to be. So pray for this broken world we live in. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Uh, At IJM, we have amazing stories about rescues where God is faithful and the God of the impossible. Sometimes, uh, just a couple of years ago now, a rescue team went in uh, to India looking uh, for a bunch of young girls that had been enslaved in sex trafficking. And when they got there, the one girl that we had been pursuing, that we had been looking for, wasn't there on the day of the rescue. We rescued lots of other girls, but she was lost to us. And we prayed and we prayed and our hearts broke for her. And God in his faithfulness, two years later, just by chance, on a completely different mission, she turned up. Praise Jesus. God is a God of the impossible. Don't put him in a box. Commit injustice in this world to prayer. Commit injustice in your community. Commit injustice in your families. Commit our world leaders to prayer. And what do you want to be known for? Great thing to be known for, being a prayer. A prayer is a follower of Jesus. Uh, You may or may not have heard of John Newton. Have you heard amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. John Newton wrote those lyrics, but what not everyone knows about him was that he was a slave trader. He was someone that was locking people up, whipping them, had a hard heart. God revealed himself to him. He went on to live his life in the light. And he did some pretty radical stuff. But one of the things he did was kind of cry out to the Christians of his generation. Why aren't we known for justice? There's this horrible injustice, this horrible slave trade. And you Christians, what are you doing about it? God has a heart for these people. And in each of our generations, you look throughout history, we have blind spots sometimes, whereas Christians, we don't see injustice. Now, there were wonderful Christians during the Holocaust that helped Jews escape. There were wonderful Christians that led social movements across the world on racial differences. Uh, There are Christians that have been a part of big social movements, and that's what they've been known for. But what is our generation known for? Are we known for justice? So uh, John Newton actually references this passage in Luke 14, which I'm going to read to you now. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of righteousness. And John Newton, in response to the Christians of his generation, he said this, one would almost think that Luke 14 was not considered part of God's word, he wrote, nor has any part of Jesus' teaching been more neglected by his own people. 
I do not think it is unlawful to entertain our friends, but if these words do not teach us that it is in some respects our duty to give preference to the poor, then I am at a complete loss to understand them. So friends, I really couldn't agree more with what John said. And I hope that after reading God's word today and exploring this issue of justice, that you are challenged to be known as a person filled with life, living for Jesus, and not to be known as a hypocrite, even if that's just to the Lord. Let us follow Jesus. May the church and each one of us be known for loving the poor, the oppressed, and our faith overflowing with actions. Imagine if our generation was known by everyone around us for loving the poor and for seeking justice. Imagine how that would point to our Saviour Jesus. So may the church be known for justice and may our actions point the world to Jesus. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.